Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. There's ups and downs for every team in an NBA season. How well can you bounce back from adversity? How well can you ba- bounce back from successes? Um, where if you do win some games in a row, can you keep a level of humility to keep trying to grow and get better? When you hit a little bit of adversity, can you come in the next day with an attitude that we've got to keep getting better and improving? And I think that, you know, for, for teams that want to really compete at a high level, uh, it's as much mental as it is physical. And, and I think for our group, we've got to focus on the constant improvement as a team day in and day out. Paul Barkish on 670 The Score, a radio.com sports station. I am Hub Arkish with you until 10 o'clock this evening here on The Score. That was Billy Donovan, the new head coach of the Chicago Bulls. And we are going right back to the Alpamani Ford guest line as we welcome in Casey Johnson, who does such an outstanding job covering the Bulls for NBC Sports Chicago. And, uh, you know, Casey, strange times for all of us, obviously, uh, as we try and deal with this new reality of, of working in the media and uh, everything via video conference and Zoom. And yet very interesting times with the Chicago Bulls, as Michael Reinsdorf has uh, shaken up this organization pretty good. Uh, first, the new front office, and then we find out Billy Donovan is here now with the draft behind him, Patrick Williams, the new young athlete for the Chicago Bulls team. But uh, let me go back a step. We talked shortly after um, uh, the changes in the front office, but I don't think we've talked since Billy Donovan came in. So I'm curious uh, for your take first on that hire and what do you think it means for the Bulls? Well, I mean, I think it signifies what you said, Hub. I mean, a complete kind of new philosophy and new energy with this organization. I mean, they were 10 interviews deep into the head coaching search um, when Billy Donovan unexpectedly came on the market. And the fact that Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley, uh, you know, immediately pivoted and aggressively pursued Donovan. And then the ownership group uh, in the Ryan Surf signed off on, on paying him the, the salary that he is used to making as the most expensive free agent coach in the market uh, says a lot. So, um, you know, I, obviously Billy's track record speaks for itself, uh, not only with his five seasons in Oklahoma city, but he's going to be in the hall of fame one day for his college coaching career for sure. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm in the process of getting old myself a little bit and uh, everything about him is that he's, you know, a communicator, a developer, um, 
somebody who's very comfortable in his own skin. And I think you're already hearing kind of players uh, that resonate with players, at least in the, in the ones we, we've talked to thus far this week. You know, I think it's pretty obvious why Karnaschovas jumped the way he did. I, I, I think there are some analogies here to, to kind of the Joe Madden, you know, hiring of the Cubs. He doesn't have the NBA rings. He's got the college rings. But the, the fact that, as you said, he suddenly came available. What is your sense of why Oklahoma City decided to move on? Well, it, w- it really was a mutual thing. I mean, he and Sam Presti, you know, have a, a rock-solid relationship. And, I mean, it's clear with what you've seen Oklahoma City do since he left that, um, you know, they, they went into full development mode. I mean, I think right now they might be starting five draft picks. <laughs> and I mean that unnamed draft picks. I mean, all they're doing is acquiring draft picks for the future. I don't even know who's really on that roster anymore. Um, so they're going into a full rebuild and, and retooling for the future. And, you know, obviously Billy can handle that situation. I mean, last year, nobody picked him to, uh, to, to make the playoffs and, and, or not many people picked pick them to make the playoffs and they completely, uh, you know, flipped that roster last year. And, 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 uh, and he had a lot of success with Chris Paul in that three guard lineup. So, um, you know, they're, they're higher to when, when he left his development, you know, former G league coach. So it's just a different direction for Oklahoma city and, you know, Billy and Sam met and talked about it and, and he decided to move on. And, and, you know, th- that's, that's, um, you know, pretty well documented at this point as to what what happened there. And then, you know, Billy just kind of didn't know what was going to be next. But, you know, he's said in his – since his hire, you know, the fact that Arturis not only pursued him as aggressively as he did, but also talked about forming a partnership is, is what appealed to him here about Chicago. And I, I'm curious, uh, as far as the, the coaching staff, I know there's a lot of excitement about his ability to add Mo Cheeks. And um, it, it just – it feels – very different from what the Bulls have had, uh, even with Fred Hoiberg. You know, b- before we get to the whole um, uh, Jim Boylan experience, uh, it, it just it, it feels like night and day in terms of the the coaching experience, uh, the the coaching success that these guys have had, and and it gives you, I think, a probably it gives me a, a pretty good feeling about Karnaschovas and, and and what he's doing. Uh, in, in, you know, seriously getting after this right now, maybe feeling that some of the building blocks are already here. Yeah. And that, that's going to be open to debate. Cause I mean, you're, you're returning 13 of 15 players from a team that won 22 games last season. So, um, you know, the, you're going to see, uh, how, how, uh, much of an impact this coaching staff is going to have on, on changing their fortunes. Cause you're basically running back the same roster. You've only swapped out. Chris Dunn and Shaq Harrison for for Patrick Williams and, and Garrett Temple. So, um, you know, all you've heard since our tourists has come on board is the emphasis on player development. Beyond the coaching staff, they went out and hired four new player development coaches to, to build out that department. Um, so, yeah, the focus is going to be on improving what you have. I think it's for two reasons. The number one, identify the core pieces you want to keep and build around moving forward, and also to maybe prop up some potential trade value for some of the pieces already on the roster that have regressed or underperformed or, or what have you. I don't, I don't expect this roster to look as similar as it does um, to last season at this point next season. Um, but for now, like I said, the, the major changes have come in, in the managerial and, uh, and coaching ranks. You know, uh, Casey, most of what I've heard about Eversley is, is about his marketing expertise, his, 
promotional expertise, his understanding of the business, is knowing all uh, the, the players on the business side. Um, I, I don't hear him talked about as, a, as an NBA talent guru. Um, and you mentioned they've brought in a bunch of development coaches. Is, is kind of show us kind of his own talent expert? Is, is that why he went the route he did with his GM pick? No, I mean, Mark's worked for three organizations and, you know, has been uh, uh, pretty uh, a strong voice um, in, in some of the draft situations in, the, in those organizations with Toronto and then Washington and, and Philadelphia. Um, you know, he's actually largely credited with a, a pretty big hit and you could say a pretty big miss in Philadelphia. Again, he's not the primary decision maker, so I, and I, I'm not in those rooms and I don't, I don't know Mark very well, so I'm just going off what I've read and what I've talked to about people about him, but he was a pretty big Markel, Markel Fultz uh, proponent when the Sixers drafted him number one overall. And then uh, last year, I know that he was pretty um, on board with the, uh, with the uh, Matisse Seibel pick that, that, that hit for them. Um, he was also big uh, in, in helping Toronto behind the scenes uh, find DeMar DeRozan and, and was a big proponent of DeMar DeRozan in Toronto. So he's got a scouting and drafting background to him as well. Uh, you mentioned the weird time that we're in. You know, I've talked to Mark Eversley twice in my life. I mean, you know, it's just we're, we're not around the gym. You know, you know yep. how this business works. Mm-hmm. You, you, yep. you build relationships with casual moments, and those those are gone. Um, and, you know, right now they've certainly got a lot better things to do than pick up the phone and talk to reporters. So you, you, you pick your spots, and, you know, I can't claim – I've certainly spent more time and talked to Arturis more since he's been higher than, than Mark. Um, and um, – you know, so I, I, I can't claim to be a Mark Eversley expert. I, I've talked to a lot of people about him, and I know a lot of people that know him very well. Uh, but he's got a scouting background as well. And, you know, I, it's pretty clear that, that he and Arturis have a shared vision about the importance of player development and the importance of, of trying to build through the draft. So um, it just it, – it definitely is a different energy. I mean, you, you've been around, you know, as long as I have actually longer <laughs> no, no, but, but, no, I mean, a lot longer probably <laughs> yeah uh you know it's like uh it's just weird because you know we there's 18 years of jerry Krause, and then 17 years of john and gar these changes don't happen very often so it's mm-hmm. it's just it's just a weird it, it, it's just a different vibe here in chicago and you know a different era for bulls basketball yeah, you know, I, I realize that this is probably a lot more interesting to you and me than it is to a lot of our listeners, but it's just one of the really strange things. Uh, most of the, the, the way I've gotten to know and the best stuff I've gotten with Ryan Pace uh, over the last five years has been when we'd bump into each other around the facility and, and, and not being there uh, anymore. And, and, and Ryan is not one who likes to have press conferences. It's just it's difficult to know, you know, sometimes what these guys are thinking. And that'll change. You know, we'll get back to it. Although I think one of my concerns is now that they see how this works. Uh, we may be doing more virtual stuff even when it's safe to, to be in there in person. We'll have to wait and see uh, what happens. But, uh, you know, Casey, one of my favorite sports quotes of the year is the one you got from Leonard Hamilton uh, when you asked him uh, what he says to people about Patrick Williams not being able to start for his Florida State team, and, and I believe the quote, correct me if I'm wrong, was I tell him he finished games, uh, you know, and, and I just, I love that. Uh, and, and I get a sense that that's what they're hoping that they have in Patrick Williams because they've really drafted more of a young athlete than a basketball player at this stage of his career. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, Florida State has its template and its program, and that's how Leonard Hamilton has played for years. He, he, run, he goes 10, 11 deep, and, 
you know, uh, Patrick was a freshman, obviously, last year and, you know, actually came on pretty strong as the season progressed. And so, yeah, he didn't start games. And people are saying, well, why are the Bulls using the fourth overall pick on a guy who couldn't even start? Well, you know, as Leonard said, he, he finished games. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't pro- proclaim to, to say that Patrick's going to be finishing games for the Bulls even at 19 as, in a rookie. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But what he is uh, is – and Arturis, um, you know, detailed this the night of the draft is uh, he, he's, he's the type of player that fits in, in today's modern NBA because he can he can do a little bit of everything at six eight. He can he can guard multiple positions. Um, he played point guard because he had a growth spurt uh, in high school. He played point guard his first three years of high school, so he can handle it. Um, you know, so uh, his defensive versatility is going to allow him to make an impact if, if, if he's ready. And, uh, you know, I know that they are banking on his future potential, but we talked to him actually today um, over the zoom machine and, uh, and, you know, all the stuff you hear about his humility and his, his work ethic um, really, really stood out, stood out. I mean, obviously, you know, as you know, and we're kind of, I'd love to do the, uh, you know, how the sausage is made uh, journalism talk with you sometimes because I have that same fear about access moving forward. But, uh, you know, what you lose, obviously, when you're doing these things in the Zoom machine is, is you, you miss nuance and, and watching them, observing them on the practice field or in the gym or what have you and how he interacts with people or how he approaches the drill or how he's looking at a coach and all that stuff. So you miss some nuance, but you still get a sense to me of, the, of, the, of a person's personality and uh, all you hear about this guy is, is humility and his hunger to improve. And that really jumped out to me uh, today in his, in his press conference with us. Um, you know, Darnell Mayberry from The Athletic asked him what he's most looking forward to um, for his rookie season. And he said, um, learning. I mean, and Darnell said, you know, like, oh, well, I thought you were going to say, like, facing LeBron James or something like that. He's like, no, I just want to learn. And you know, he, he's, he's really uh, got a nice air about him. So um, whatever his potential is, I, it, it seems like he's the kind of guy who's going to get there because of his work ethic and his humility. You know, Casey, I, with, with the other three major sports, I tend to throw this last season out because of the pandemic and, and, and everything it did to the game. But the, the thing that's interesting about the Bulls is that basically their season ended when the pandemic was beginning and so we look at their last season, and I think at this point we have a pretty good idea who Zach Levine is. Uh, you know, I mean, he's going to be as impactful as the system and who they put around him. Um, I don't think we have any idea who Wendell Carter is yet because of the injuries, or at least not a great idea. And I think Kobe White is very exciting. The, the guy who honestly was, was disappointing to me last year was Laurie Markkinen, you know, because he came back and he looked like, man, he had spent the whole off season in the workout room and uh, this, this, he had become a man. And, and then that first week we were like, whoa, what's happened to him? And then it was like it all kind of went away. And so am I correct in saying that he may be the biggest mystery of this core group right now? Well, he certainly got, I mean, I'd probably put Wendell in there too, just because Wendell, I think, uh, uh, hasn't, anywhere come close to scratching what he can be and especially because his, his inability to stay on the floor his first years he's battled injuries and just um i think there's a lot more offensively to wendell's game that the, the bulls fans haven't seen yet and he and billy donovan have talked about that this week but no you certainly nailed the, the biggest one just because i mean nobody regressed more last year than, than lowry and uh 
you know, you can parse however you want why that happened. I mean, part of it was usage, part of it was system, part of it was his own personality, which is kind of a blend in and not make waves kind of personality, almost kind of, you know, tied into the, to the system. And he, he floated too much on the perimeter. And then he also battled his own injuries. So, you know, he, he, uh, he, he, he saw, it's funny. Some of these guys from his draft class are signing these, you know, rookie extensions and they're the max deals. He's Jason Tatum, De'Aaron Fox, Donovan Mitchell. And at one point, you know, Lowry was on that trajectory. I mean, I remember writing a story a couple of years ago in his second year, you know, like if he did a redraft, Tatum might be one, you know, Lowry might be two or three. And, you know, now, I mean, he, if, if he does reach a rookie extension before now in Tippa, uh, the regular season opener on the 22nd or the 23rd, whenever they open, the schedule comes out tomorrow. It's not going to be a max deal. It's not going to be anywhere close. So, He's got he's got a he's got to prove he can get back to that level that he was showing that second season. Obviously, there's that you know well documented month in February where he averaged 26 and 12, and the Bulls played 500 ball. So he's got that ability in him. And last year was just such a forgettable year for him and for the organization that he's got a lot to prove this year. So Casey, before I let you go, just looking for a best guess here. You know, there's a good chance that. Um, well, Patrick Williams probably isn't going to be starting, but you know your core group here is going to be four lottery picks and, and, and Zach Levine, who we now know has that kind of talent, and then Otto Porter. Um, and then you throw in uh, a, a really talented veteran coach like Billy Donovan. Um, it feels like more than a 22-win team. Um, is, is this a team that, that you think with Donovan can, can contend for a playoff spot or, or are they, is this going to be a kind of a testing and rebuilding campaign? What's your best guess as to what this first year looks like? I think, I mean, I, I just don't think they're, they're as bad as they showed last year. I mean, a lot of that was it, last year just was a, a train wreck right from the jump and the injuries played a big part in that, obviously. So if they stay healthy, uh, here's the other thing about the playoffs. When you ask me if they're a playoff team, all you got to do now is finish top 10, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they've, they've added this play-in thing. So if you finish ninth or 10th, you're in the play, play-in situation. So can they get there? Sure. But I also say this, the East, the East didn't sit around. I mean, the East got better. Even yesterday's trade, you know, I think Washington obviously would have been better even with John Wall back. But now you got Russell Westbrook there. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I've got, I'm on team Russ on that trade. I think Russell Westbrook's a better player than John Wall, particularly with John Wall having not played in close to two years. So, um, so it's, it's, it's not a guarantee, but they certainly, they underachieved last year and injuries played a part in that. And then guys regressing and obviously the coaching situation was well-documented and, and talked about and analyzed and scrutinized. So yeah, I, I, I certainly think they're going to improve. Um, but the East did as well. Uh, they should be at least in the running in for those top 10. I mean, you're only talking a handful of teams there that, that aren't in the running for the top 10. So they're, they're better than Knicks. We know that they're better. They should be better than Cleveland. We know that. Um, so I, yeah, they can certainly challenge for it. And it's going to be on, uh, the coaching staff and, and health uh, being big factors. I, you know, I, I know I got to let you go, but I, this is one of the reasons I don't envy you your job, I, at least with the NFL, uh, and even MLB, most deals I can wrap my arms around. But I woke up this morning or last night whenever I saw it, and, and I saw the Westbrook for Wall trade, and I was like, 
what did they do? <laughs> you know, I, just, <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand that. I know they got the first round pick too, but that's lottery protected. I, I just, I can't, I don't get what they're doing there. Well, which team? Uh, the, um, you know, Oklahoma City. I mean, you know, I rather Houston. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not even sure. I guess John Wall healthy, but, but even healthy, he wasn't Russell Westbrook. Well, it, 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 that trade was two point guards that both wanted a change of address, and it let mm-hmm. and let and let their organizations know that. So, I mean, that's kind of where the NBA is now. If you if, if these stars can force trades, or and, and they still have so much power, so that, that's it was two two guys looking for a change of scenery, and now it's trying to appease your other franchise players to hope they stay. Bradley Beal being the one in Washington, and James Harden being the other one in, in Houston. So we'll see how it works out. In fact. Houston's here for the the preseason opener on the 11th, the week from tomorrow. I wouldn't I wouldn't expect Wall or Harden probably to play much, if at all. Um, but they're here next this next Friday for for the first two preseason games. So we'll see how that shakes out. Casey, thanks for spending so much time with us tonight. I really do appreciate it. We wish you uh, good health and stay safe, and uh, and hopefully uh, a season that slowly starts to move back towards normal for you. All right, always good talking to you. Take care, man. That is Casey Johnson. you got to follow all his stuff at NBC Sports Chicago. He is as good an NBA and Bulls guy as you're going to find. We are going to take a commercial break, and then we've got a break from our guests. We kind of went rapid fire there one after the other, but I do want to get to the phones, guys. Again, this is my favorite part of getting to do these shows and to visit with all of you. The phone number is 312-644-6767. I am dialed in in the Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin, Texas zone as well so you can shoot your text to 312-644-6767 i'm hub arker sitting in for joe ostrowski and you've got the score what are you gonna do they can't eat you you know you gotta saddle up and put all that crap behind you and move on watch the tape and practice and stick to the process and keep swinging and keep fighting i told the guys i mean it's a privilege you know to playing coach in the National Football League and we're playing and coaching a kids game and you you can turn the TV off and look around and there's a lot of crap going on that's a hell of a lot worse than what we went through Sunday or are ever going to go through in a football game real life stuff you know Rigoberto Sanchez gets the news that, that he's got cancer you know and he gets you know sidelined all of a sudden you know so he has an operation on on Tuesday thank god he's in great hands uh down at Methodist Hospital in Indianapolis same place I was at Simon and and Larry Einhorn I think is is one of his major guys and Larry Einhorn's the oncologist you know that that developed the the cure for testicular cancer and and he's it's a 99% uh, cure rate because of people that give back so there's again I'm going off on a tangent but there's a lot of stuff going on and we're playing and and coaching a kid's game and we're it's so it's such a privilege and we don't take any days for granted we don't take any games any opportunities for granted and our our guys get that and so we've got thank god that wasn't the last game so we got you know another opportunity and the next one is all that matters and we just we just got to find a way to get get this stink off us and, and get a dub Chicago Bears defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano visiting with us in the media today. That dub, as in club dub, and getting a win is what he was talking about. It was really interesting, though, um, in that the initial question he was asked was what kind of challenges does dealing with uh, number uh, with 35-year-old running back Adrian Peterson present? 
And as he started to answer those questions, um, he suddenly kind of launched into the rest of the team and then was off the subject. And um, I know it left me wondering uh, how he got there and why he went there. Uh, not certain if it was planned or if it was just, uh, uh, you know, something that, that was spontaneous and, and it was the way he was feeling and thinking. Uh, and that was, by the way, only part of it. That was kind of uh, about two thirds of it. But the first third uh, wasn't there. And, and it really, to me, points out, A, if you know Chuck Pagano at all, I don't pretend to know him well. I, I know him from his time here as the Bears defensive coordinator uh, in our various press conferences and, and Zoom meetings together. Um, but, but he is an absolute class act. He's one of the nicest guys in the league. He's extremely genuine. And, and, and everything that he said there was true. And as a cancer survivor, um, you know, he certainly has a pretty good feel for other things besides just playing, as he says, a kid's game, um, and also the impact that, that the virus is having on this season and on his team and on the league. And, and so um, I think the point we all need to take from it is, is that when they tell us that, no, they're not really listening to all the noise about their job security and, and, and the losing streak and feeling the pressure and all that, I think they're feeling the pressure of being competitors and desperately wanting to win football games again. Um, but I also think that he is being extremely straight with us and that most of these players and coaches are when they tell us, no, they're really not focused on the five-game losing streak. No, they're really not thinking uh, about getting fired or getting cut or, or getting re-signed as free agents, um, that they are moving week to week because everything that they're going through right now is so different. Um, you know, again, you know what the differences are in your life because of the pandemic, because of coronavirus, and, and you're all, you know, handling it differently. And, and for some, it is more serious than others. For some, it isn't a big thing. Some people are choosing to ignore it. Um, and I'm not commenting. I'm just analyzing and, 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 and describing what's going on in our world today. Um, but for these coaches and players, they are not able to ignore it. They are forced into some of the most rigorous uh, testing and mitigation pro protocols that you'll find in any interest in the country right now, that, any industry, I, I should say, in the country right now. That is how the NFL has managed to get to this point in week 13 now where they literally have not canceled a single game. That's pretty miraculous if you think about it. Um, and it's because of everything that these guys have to do every day uh, to be able to go to work. And then once they get to work and nothing about this even vaguely resembles the NFL or regular practice or meeting regimes or anything else. And, and to not understand that it has to have an impact on, on every team, and it's the same for every team. Nobody's making it an excuse for anybody or saying that, that it's the reason that they're having this five-game losing streak or, or that the offense hasn't developed or any of that, but it clearly is a big part of it. And, and so um, it is why I am convinced that they are not uh, obsessing about their job security, about worrying about getting fired every day or getting cut or whatever it may be. Um, and, and, and why I believe them when they say, 
that their focus is strictly on the next game and finding a way to get back in the win column. And then who knows what can happen afterwards. So it was a really interesting visit with Chuck Pagano today. Uh, you'll be hearing more about it. It actually moved me to write my column about it tonight. I believe it's already up at shawlocal.com or the northwestherald.com. It'll be in all of our papers tomorrow, the Northwest Herald, the Joliet Herald, the Daily Herald, um, uh, all of our Shaw newspapers. So uh, please give it a look if, if you're interested because um, I, I tend to take this stuff very seriously when I hear that the coaches and players are taking it as seriously as they are. And it does give you a whole different perspective on, on all of the noise that we're hearing and all the people who want people fired and changes and this and that. Um, and again, there'll be a time for that. And, and it may even be justified come the end of the season. But with where they're at right now, um, I don't know anybody who predicted the Bears better than 10 and 6. Uh, I think most had them somewhere between 7 and 9 and 9 and 7. There were some 5 and 11s and 6 and 10s out there. The reality is, when you look at what's left on the schedule, the Bears are most likely to finish the season exactly where the majority of Bears fans and media predicted them to be at the end of the season. And, and so when you realize that all that is going to have been accomplished, whatever it may be, in this really unusual uh, season that they've had to work their way through, I'm not sure how you justify firing or hiring anybody. Uh, you know, again, it's a conversation that we'll have when the time is right. Uh, but right now what matters is finishing it out, seeing what happens over the next five weeks, and then having a really good handle on what would be the right moves for the organization. If you'd like to talk about it, please give me a phone call. 312-644-6767 is the number. We are going to get to the phone lines as well as the text line right after this very quick commercial break. Uh, again, you can call or text at 312-644-6767. I'm Hub. Back with you a moment, right in, in a moment, I should say, right here on the Joe O Show on 670 The Score. You're saying that is a quick throw now. Trubisky to pop it down the field. Oh. Just overshot a twisting and turning. Cole Komet inside the 20-yard line. Would have been a touchdown if he caught up to it. He knows where those issues were. We know where the issues were offensively. But at the same point in time, there was there were some good plays in there too. So, um, again, just trying to – it's almost like the next play mentality for us as coaches and for him right now week to week is let's, let's go ahead and – Let's uh, let's put that behind us and let's go out and do everything we can for this week. And so just put, trying to put together two two good days of practice, which I thought he's done. And now we got to transfer it out to the game. And uh, again, all we can do is, is stay in that book, keep trying to eliminate mistakes, play fast and then strike and then, and then uh, uh, play, you know, just stay honed in with those details. Trust your teammates. And that's what they're all doing right now. Highlight courtesy of our sister station, WBBM News Radio 780 105.9 on your FM dial, where you hear all of the Chicago Bears games for the best pre and post in town. We hope that you join us right here at the score with our Bet River Sportsbook pregame show with Olin Krutz, Patrick Manley, and myself. And then immediately following every game, you can join Pat and I on the Prop Swap postgame show. Uh, and that, of course, was Matt Nagy talking about the continued development of both Mitch Trubisky and Cole Komet. We are going to get to the phone lines now, as promised, 
888-888-6767 is the phone number. And Justin out in Crystal Lake is the first to join us this evening. Justin, how you doing? All right. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, thank you. Hey, uh, so just uh, wanted to basically echo what I think, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what you've been saying for a couple seasons is uh, that nobody has a chance behind the offensive line as it's currently constructed. And obviously, you know, Mitch with the, the legs has a much better opportunity at, at success. But the idea that they thought that Mitch or that uh, that um, the coach, Nagy, thought that he could bring Foles in behind this offensive line is just it's ridiculous to me. And I don't see how how he thought that that was the answer behind Mitch. Well, you know, Justin, I, the, the, you look at Nick Foles prior to getting here in Chicago, and he did have that one incredible season as a starter in Philadelphia in 2013, the 27 touchdowns and two picks behind a very good offensive line. And, of course, he had the Super Bowl MVP campaign where he finished the last five games of the regular season after Carson Wentz went down and then uh, took him through the playoffs. Um, uh, you know, and then also actually came back the, the following year, uh, after Wentz got hurt, uh, and, and, and beat the bears, you know, in the playoffs. So, um, you know, I think the feeling was that Nick Foles did have, or does have the ability to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. We should note, however, this is his fifth team in nine seasons and that in no year has he played, well, he's only played more than. Uh, he played 13 games uh, in the 2013 season. Uh, he had another season where he played 11 games. Other than that, he's never played more than eight games in an NFL season um, and has not been able to hold on to the starting job in in four different markets with uh, uh, with Philadelphia, with Jacksonville, with, with St. Louis. I guess I should say three different markets. Um, but relative to the offensive line, you know, one of the great failings of, of this regime, and, and some of it's on Ryan Pace and some of it is on John Fox and some of it is on Matt Nagy, I think is, is a failure to accurately evaluate some of their own talent. I, I think that Ryan Pace has actually done a much better job of acquiring talent than he gets credit for. Um, but, but, you know, clearly they overrated what they had on the offensive line. And then we're unwilling to look at some of this young talent like Sam Mustafer and Alex Bars, who now look like they may be pretty good football players. I can't for the life of me understand what's going on with Riley Ridley because you know, he gets back on the field now and he makes some plays. He looks like an NFL receiver. We haven't seen enough of them to really know. Um, you know, and, and there are a number of other examples of guys you know, Cole Komet has struggled all year to get reps until this last couple of weeks when they've really started to expand uh, his repertoire a little bit. So um, I, I think you're absolutely correct. I, I think they really badly overestimated uh, the talent that they had on the offensive line. And it's one of the reasons that they are struggling the, the way they are. And is there um, a tie to Matt Nagy and Nick Foltz? Well, there, there actually isn't. That's kind of interesting because, because Nagy was a quality control guy there in Philadelphia when he had the 2013 campaign. I guess there is a tie, uh, a connection is what we're talking about there. Um, when the Eagles traded uh, Foles to St. Louis for Sam Bradford, the idea is that Foles was going to be the franchise quarterback in St. Louis. And that turned out to be just a horrible experience, so much so 
that he was thinking about retiring. He, 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 he was a free agent. He was on the street. He didn't even know if he wanted to play anymore. And Andy Reid convinced him to come to Kansas City and be the backup to Alex Smith. And, and as the story goes, Matt has told this a few times, it was Matt who met him at the airport. He didn't even have a car. And so the first thing they did was spend an hour and a half together in the car driving to training camp together. Uh, Matt then gave him his car to get around for a while until he got settled in Kansas City. And it was through the stewardship of um, actually uh, Matt Nagy uh, and, and Andy Reid that he rediscovered his love for the game. And so that's where the connection was. But he never played in Kansas City. Alex Smith was the guy. Uh, and then he eventually became a free agent and went back to Philadelphia. Um, so, so Nagy hadn't really coached him so much um, as, as they developed a personal relationship just as coach and player uh, off the field. And it was the combination of what he had seen him do and the relationship they had that convinced Nagy that he would be a good fit here in Chicago. And you know what, Justin? He may still be a good fit here in Chicago. I, I think what gets lost is not only is he too immobile to be able to be successful behind this offensive line, but he did not meet his teammates until he arrived in Chicago at the end of July or the early August for the beginning of training camp. Literally met them in person for the first time. Had had no throwing with them, nothing. Um, then there was no exhibition season. There was no games. There was no chance for him to work in this system. And so it was really what he could get out of practices which were not as extreme as what NFL teams are used to. And then, um, you know, they get into the season and suddenly he takes over in, in the end of the third quarter in game three, has the miraculous comeback against Atlanta, but then once he starts, you know, takes over the starting job the following week, we begin to see he just wasn't ready yet. You know, he'd had, he had no timing work with any of his receivers. He was still learning Matt Nagy's version of this offense. Um, and then he started taking the pounding from the offensive line. So I, I do think that the Bears should have gone back to Trubisky after the Rams game. I think he should have started um, the Saints game. Of course, he had one play there and then got hurt, um, but not because I was done with Nick Foles. It's just he wasn't ready yet. He's going to get a full offseason, I would assume, or hope that the offensive line is going to get better, and my best guess is that Foles is the starting quarterback next year. My best guess is that Matt Nagy is still here. So the final chapter on this one has not been written yet, um, but you do make an excellent point in that he really never had much of a chance with this offensive line, plus everything else that I have just detailed. Let's get to one more call before we have to break again. David is uh, in the city. David, appreciate you dialing us up. How you doing tonight? I'll try and keep it uh, to the point with respect oh, to Matt Nagy. It's, it's your he, time. He, Go ahead. <laughs> he's first, first off, they should be four and seven because the Detroit uh, lack of a touchdown because the guy's looks like he's turning up field in early in the season. So they're really a four and seven football team. That's number one. The man has been outcoached in every single game this season. You have a professional athletes that can't orchestrate a simple, proper screenplay. These are supposed to be the best athletes in the world. What don't they understand the concept that's not just about getting the ball out quick to the corner? You, if you have no offensive line, you, let, you realize that, and you, you let them come in and you throw on top of the pass rush. So you can soften the in disguise a bad offensive line. That's number one. David, I'm sorry, but just real. You, Dave, you said you have a professional athlete who can't execute a screen. 
You're talking about one player or you're talking about all the Bears offensive players? See, one, one's okay. the last time. Okay. The parallel is the parallel is You've got a, a baseball team in Chicago with the Cubs that haven't executed a, a hit and run in God knows how long. And you've got a football team that hasn't executed a proper screen pass with a bad offensive line. On top of the fact, you have a your, – your all-star is, is – is, they can dedicate all the time and detail to a kicker because of the dumbfounded face when the kicker choked. Why? Because you have a coach that had no confidence in his team not screwing up to gain a few more yards on the most important kick and, and probably franchise-changing play uh, to at least get get them into a playoff uh, mode. I mean, the, the playing scared, creating the tone that you don't have confidence that your offense – can't can't uh, can't can't play the game properly. Sets a tone where you don't trust your team. That's number one. And number two, you've got a coach that has a mentality that he thinks he's the smartest person in the room, staring at his playbook basics. And then you go throw deep throw deep in a football game before establishing balance and making a team think about the run. You you throw the deep ball after you've created the, the, the psychology that you're running the ball effectively. A deep pass is only as good as the defense being being worried about an effective run game. Well, David, listen, thank you for the call, and I appreciate all your points. I don't necessarily agree with them, but I understand where you're coming from. Number one, um, if the offensive line isn't good enough to execute anything else, why should they be good enough to execute a screenplay? Because you do need offensive linemen to execute the screen properly. Number two, um, you are incorrect in your theory about the deep ball. You do not need to establish the run game first to be successful throwing the ball deep. Uh, you, you know those two are not necessarily uh, you know required to go together. And number three, um, I agree that Matt Nagy made a mistake by not trying to run another play or two to get closer prior to the field goal attempt in the Philadelphia game, the wild card game that ended in the double doink. But I have no reason to believe that it was because he had no confidence in his offense. It was his offense that had just gotten him down there in the first place uh, in a minute and 43 seconds with the best quarter of football that Mitch Trubisky has ever played. So I think he made a bad strategic decision. I agree with you on that but I don't know that it had anything to do with confidence in his offense. So at the end of the day, um, I understand that you are not a Matt Nagy fan. You are certainly not the lone ranger in town right now. And it may prove that, that the Nagy detractors are right. Um, I just don't know that we've seen enough of the body of work yet to be able to write him off. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking for more evidence, but I do appreciate your phone call. Uh, I know there's a lot of folks out there who, who agree with a fair amount of what you had to say, and hopefully you'll we'll call again. We'll talk about it some more. We're going to get more calls in the next hour, but first we're going to go back and talk a little bit of baseball. It's been a big 48 hours in Major League Baseball with these decisions as to who you tender and who you do not. Um, with the Chicago Cubs, I know a lot of people disappointed um, that they do not bring back Kyle Schwarber, Albert Almora. Um, I look at the Chicago White Sox, and I was frankly a little surprised at the Rodon decision. Um, uh, you know, I know he's been injured the better part of the last two years, but he's still young. Uh, um, he's still a big left-handed thrower, and yet the White Sox have decided to make him a non-tendered um, or have non-tendered him, and, and he is now a free agent as well for a team that is still looking to add more pitching. An interesting decision there. We'll talk about that and all things Chicago baseball with our senior baseball expert here at The Score, Bruce Levine. That's coming up in just a moment right here on The Score. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.